one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. The 0-2 pitch. Look at this. Struck him out. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Ty Daubert, coming at you after a pretty long hiatus for us on, on this podcast. We teased some some off-season episodes the last time we recorded, which was right after the World Series loss for the Phillies. Took a little bit of a break to, to regroup, and the off-season, the off-season got on us quick. A lot quicker than it had been uh, in in the past couple of years, both because the Phillies went a lot farther than they used to go, and things have heated up pretty quickly. We're here to talk about the big transaction. As always, I have my co-host Nathan Ackerman to join me. Nathan, why don't you why don't you break it down? Phillies get Trey Turner on an eleven year deal. They have their shortstop of the present and future another another huge signing it's it's what they do every offseason now apparently they get their guy what are you thinking so i'll give you my first three thoughts um thought number one was 11 years is an absolute monstrosity and not saying that's a good or a bad thing there are obviously perks to making it so long we can get into the details of the contract later but that was my first thought because people were saying seven eight nine years but 11 years he's going to be signed he's going to be 40 when that contract is up which is kind of insane to think about the fact that somebody will be yeah. with the Phillies longer than Bryce Harper, which like, N- yeah, not a, longer, a quick, but, but a after. Quick side, after, yeah, a quick side note, like something, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that. Like I'm, I'm still trying to convince myself that like somehow Bryce Harper is going to be there longer than Trey Turner. Like, I don't know if that means a trade or something happens, but it just feels like that's not possible. So anyway, that, that whole concept is just weird to me um signed through what is it 2033 insane my second thought was i'm glad this happened in you know a month after the season rather than waiting until the end of march for this to happen because that's what's been going on the last couple years uh it happened with with harper not quite as as long but actually no longer it happened in march with schwarber and castellanos um because of the lockout because the lockout right but still um and and I was kind of thinking the same thing might happen where everybody's just going to wait for one guy to sign and then set the rest of the market. And I guess, I mean, maybe the other three guys did, but now Turner set the market and the, those other guys might get less than they thought they were going to, but that's a different story entirely. That doesn't really concern the Phillies right now. And my third thought was you can't look at that contract, which is a, a very long time, low AAV, you know, as when you think about what what people were expecting him to make no no opt-outs all the money straight up they're not going to be paying him through like age 50 a full no trade clause you can't look at that and tell me it wasn't in part inspired by the harper contract especially when you think about the fact that they both came from washington they're friends i'm sure they've talked throughout this whole process like it's just too I don't know. Am I stating the obvious there? Am I th- am I making a connection that isn't really there? It just seems like it's 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 a carbon copy of the Harper thing. Yeah, it, it, I think they've kind of set out a blueprint or like an idea of what they 
would prefer in a contract where some teams think of the Dodgers and, and some of the deals they've made, or at least reportedly um, tried to tried to do. You think of Harper; they tried to sign him for you know like four or five years at forty million plus. Um, some teams go that route, and there's merit to that. And the Phillies, they go the other route where they try to stretch it out really long, and um, they'd rather use their resources in a way where they can right now in these early years of the deal have more room under whatever threshold is the one they'd like to stay under. Um, Seems to be that second luxury tax threshold right now where they want to stretch it out and get the average annual value lower so they can try to keep adding to this team while staying under that number. Right now it makes things nicer. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, Maybe in, seven years this team is pretty bad with a lot of <laughs> washed up or older players who aren't as good as they used to be and they're still making decent money i mean in seven years maybe 25 or 27 million dollars a year is not as much as it seems right now that that's yeah. always that's always part of it but yeah i don't i don't think they're signing these deals because they think in years 10 and 11 that Trey Turner is going to be one of the best shortstops in baseball. They're doing it because they think they have a little window here and they've got that first taste of, of postseason baseball and finding some success. And they want to, they want to keep, they want to keep going after this for the next, what, four years, five years. And this is the, the way they're going to do it. They'll sacrifice in the future, it's it's kind of the Dave Dabrowski way. They're going to sign these deals and they're going to try to win up front. And it, I think there's a good chance that it, that it works. They're going to be pretty good next year. Yeah, and I think players are drawn to that too. I mean, when you had Harper signing in 2019, it was like, you know, he's he's been with just the Nationals for the first seven years. But like ever since he was 22, people are talking about where he's going to be next. And he just wanted to go somewhere and be there for the rest of his life and then, you know, see what, see what happens and I think that that's part of the reason why he took 13 years rather than you know the nine or ten that some people thought might happen and then with Trey Turner he's drafted by the Padres he's traded from there after half a season he's with the Nationals for what seven years traded to the Dodgers midseason last year and then it's the same thing where is he going to go people are talking about it the whole time and it's like I feel like he probably wants to go somewhere and just be there you know for the rest of his life too so um it's like yeah, they they could if they had signed for, you know, Harper for 10 years or or for any of these guys like seven or eight or nine years, they would make more money per year. And then maybe they could sign another contract if they're still good when they're 38 and make more money. But like you have to think that they're at least in some way drawn to the idea that they're probably playing out the rest of their days there and you know they're the fact that they're signing for less money per year than than they could have made means that they can add and that's what harper was drawn to and they've been doing that this is just another you know um example of of that so yeah they've they the 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 phillies clearly have an approach when it comes to these big name guys and they're going to give them a a lot of years you're going to hope for a good 6 7 8 years with with harper and maybe i don't know five or six with Turner, uh, six or seven will be nice. 
of of good years. That's and asking then, for a lot. Yeah, is there, then, he is. He is like going to be age thirty. Yeah, sure. Five or five or six years, and then you know it's going to suck in eight years from now. But if they win a World Series during this window, it's like you can't really blame them. And and also it's with with all these big name free agents that they've been signing the last few years. I'm I'm sure not all of them are going to work out. Like Harper seems like it's on a pretty good track to be good. Kyle Schwarber, you know, that's not like a, a huge contract. It's four years, 80, what, 79 mil. The Castellanos thing, who knows? And like some of those might not end up, you know, wind up as like good contracts. You might look back on it when they're done and say that they overpaid. But at least they're spending. At least they're trying. And at least in, in the moment, they all seem to make sense. Like I haven't seen one of these contracts and been like, that feels like an overpay or this just doesn't make sense in the moment. And if they don't work out, like it's hard to blame them for not predicting the future. But honestly, the one to me that made the least sense in the moment was Wheeler. And look at how that's played out. It's obviously been great for all parties. So it's like, yeah, maybe Trey Turner's falls off when he's 34. Maybe he falls off when he's 32. Maybe Harper's bad for the last six years. Maybe Castellanos is never good. But it's like, can you blame them for making those contracts in the moment? I think it's hard to. And there has to be some, you know, you 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 applaud them for just going all in. Yeah. And, you know, it seems like it seems like Turner left some money on the table, um, which I, and I think a couple things go go into that. The Padres, uh, Matt Gelb had a story in The Athletic kind of detailing how the Phillies made this happen. And he he said the Phillies weren't the highest bidders. The Padres seem to be the ones that were in on this. And uh, then then John Heyman said today that it, it looked like the Padres offer didn't have the years, but it was $342 million, which is just above what Francisco Lindor got. He got 341 So it's like, yeah, they, uh, they do spend big, but apparently they – this also happened with Wheeler too, where the White Sox were reported to have um, a bigger offer on the table. Um, but when you give guys security and you have some star players already on the team, it, it makes your team a like a destination people would like to play, where where they would like to play. And I, I guess a run to the World Series obviously does not hurt either. Um, but yeah, they it's going to be it's gonna be a fun couple of years there with with all these big names where they like they have these they have these guys that they it's just like every offseason they they have their guy and they come away with them. It, it's happened every year since 2018. And in 2018, both of those guys were not very good in Carlos Santana and Jake Arietta, but it kind of like set the tone. Of like this is the way that they're gonna operate. And they just like they've done it every year since, which is uh kind of kind of ridiculous to, to think about it. It's really it's like wow, it's really not that hard. You just have to like give guys what they want and more money and years than other teams. It's really not that difficult. Yeah, and the other <laughs> thing about the about the the Padres thing, and I guess with Harper and the Dodgers, it it factors in too. And I'll preface this: I don't really think that this factored into the final equation for him because I do think he 
at the end of the day wanted to play on the East Coast and he would probably want to be somewhere for 10, 11 years and playing with Harper and Long. Um, you know, that that all factored into it. I think it probably wouldn't have made that much of a difference. But like if if the Padres offered him 342, when you factor in the state tax, that's like around 300 or maybe a little bit less. So he probably turned down the sticker price, which was huge. But like in terms of what he would have made, I'm not sure he left much money on the table. Obviously, there is the fact that if it was for four fewer years, he could sign maybe another contract afterward. But also, like, I don't know if the actual value really matters, to be completely honest. Like when I think, I mean, maybe this is just me speaking because I can't imagine what I would do with $10 million or less than that. And these guys are like talking in the 300 versus 342 range. Um, but like, you know, th- there is obviously a big part of this, this whole equation, which is getting the sticker price and signing for 342 rather than 341, because it's, you know, just over what Lindor made and Harper signing for 330 rather than 325, because it's just over what Stanton made and JT signing for whatever it was, one one sixteen rather than 115, because it was just over what I want to say Joe Maurer made. So yeah, like that that factors into all of this and the sticker price matters, sure. In terms of the practicality and what they would have actually made and also what do you do with an extra $42 million when you already have 300? I'm not trying to, you know, tell Trey Turner how to spend his money, but yes, Pocket he did watching. leave. He, yeah, sure. He did leave. I just want to make sure that he's going to be okay and that, you know, every everybody involved in this whole contract is going to be okay in the long run i don't want them to be pinching pennies but um (laughs) um yeah he left the sticker price out there that apparently matters as we've seen but i don't think he left actual money on the table when you factor in the state tax as a california native who very much understands california's tax code i don't but i've heard pennsylvania has no income tax so anyway we don't need to get too much into this you're you're such a such a tax guy (laughs) (laughs) um all right i what do you think so we've talked about the contract um what do you think going forward like i I think the obvious thing that this means is bryce Stott slides over to second base he he posts that kind of funny edit on twitter after the signing like an ms paint kind of deal uh, putting red pinstripes on trey turner um maybe a little surprising to see Stop do that. All the all the Stott Segura stuff coming out this year, and that move it means Gene Segura is most likely gone, and and Stott's all excited. I, I understand. Oh, come on, <laughs> I under I understand you're excited to play with Trey Turner, but what happened? What happened you're to your peddling mentor? Such a narrative. <laughs> what happened to your mentor? No, I don't. I I completely get why he'd be excited, but yeah, it it means Gene is most likely gone. Bryson Stott, yeah. who played well at second base when when Gene was injured throughout the year. Um, he, he'll be playing second base where he probably looks a little better defensively. His his solid arm plays up at second. Um, and yeah, that's going to be their their middle infield for, you would imagine, the next couple of years. Um, probably couple. four. Four, five, at least, right? At least, yeah. Yeah. I mean, now it's in Stott's hands, which is kind of crazy yeah. to think about, but if Stott's going to be here 11 years, then it'll be the next 11 years. Yeah. The crazy thing is that, you know, everybody's throwing around the stat, but like the middle infield combo this year 
is going to cost less than it did on 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 opening day last year, where you had Gregorius making fourteen or something in that 14, range. Yeah, fourteen, fifteen mil, and and Gene making whatever he made in the um, same. They were both in like same, that same, fifteen same ballpark. They were both in the fifteen range. Yeah. Yeah, and now Turner's making twenty seven point three, and Stotts making seven hundred grand. So, like twenty eight million dollars between the two. Which is kind of wild to think about because I think it's like markedly better than what the the you know that that up up the middle combo was last year. Yeah, well, considering they had to had to cut their opening day shortstop last year because he could not field or hit. Yeah, it's probably an upgrade. Those are two big uh, things. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I would say it's an upgrade. Um, now, now I'm thinking about like opening day last year. Do you? Bryce Stott was their opening day third baseman. Yeah, yeah, which is which is just wild to think about. Thinking the the twenty twenty two Phillies opening day versus the last day of the season, yeah, the last day of the postseason. It's like doesn't even feel like the same team. No, it's ridiculous. Yeah, so much change, and now there's even more change uh, with with Turner, but they're getting like. And it's just the turnover is going to, even though they sign these big deals, the turnover is going to continue. Like they, maybe they extend Nola, end up keeping him, but within the next couple of years, like Nola will have a chance to hit free agency and Hoskins, his deal will be expiring. So they have like the core that's, that's set in stone for a while. I mean, Wheeler all of a sudden has two years left. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. But uh, yeah, it's just like, I don't even know. I don't even know. What to, it's it's just like unbelievable the way that this yeah. team has come together and the way that you think, the way that we were thinking or talking two, three months ago when they looked really bad and they went and they got swept by the Cubs um, to now where it's like, oh, this is a team that just made one of the more unbelievable and memorable postseason runs in the history of the franchise. And then they go and they add like a star level shortstop who was, who's been an MVP candidate the last few years. They add him into the fold where it's like people, I don't know if people are ready. I don't know if people are ready (laughs) that the Phillies are going to be like people's pick to win the world series next year. And like, they're going to be expected to get back there next year. People are, people are going like, when in, in March or April, when analysts do their picks, like, oh, who's coming out of the National League? People are going to pick the, the Philadelphia Phillies. Like, that's the kind of, after what they did and the, making this move to just further solidify the infield, that that's the way it is. And those are the expectations. I think the lack of expectations is what made this postseason run so incredible for a lot of people. Um, and it'll be, it'll be a whole different experience. I think for everybody watching this team, when there are real expectations, not just to break a playoff drought, but to compete for a world series, um, which they're they're definitely capable of doing. Yeah. I mean, I was, I've kind of been thinking about this ever since the world series ended, but it's like next year it's good. And don't, don't take this the wrong way, but like next year is going to be less, fun right like if they make a playoff run 
the day-to-day of the playoff run is going to be less quote-unquote fun. But that's probably a good thing because last year it was like, oh, this is so awesome. Like, even if they don't win the World Series, this has been so much fun because this came out of nowhere, as you said. But next year, it's like they better win it. Or, I mean, if they make a World Series run next year and they lose or they go to the NLCS next year and they lose, are are we going to say, wow, that was awesome. So proud of this team. That was great. I enjoyed that. No, they're going to say they did that last year. It was fun last year. Now it's time to go win it. So this to me is an acknowledgement that like they're they're not just playing to make the playoffs at this point. They're playing to win it because now like you've you've done you've made the you've done everything except for win the World Series. So nothing else that they do can be as fun Unless they win the World Series, I don't know. Am I like over over simplifying things? I just feel like no, they I have to push so. all their chips in now, and it's going to be like we're going to enjoy it less. It was probably like the way that, like when the Cubs made their run in 2015 and they lost in the NLCS, that was fun because it was like, oh, the Cubs are actually good. And then in 2016, it was like, okay, you better go win it, and then they yeah. did. And I'm sure yeah. like my 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 whole family are Cubs fans, and they were all saying, "Yeah, it's the same thing." It was less fun when they were making that run, but then they won the World Series, and it was like this is a million times better than losing it. So, it's I mean it, it'll it'll be the same thing next year with the Phillies, and they're going to be, yeah, they're going to be a lot of people's picks. My take yesterday was that the gap between the Phillies and the Mets widened, and that implies two things: that Turner even for 2023 makes the Phillies better than Justin Verlander does. And the Phillies were already better to start with. I don't know. They won 14 fewer games, but they made the world series and the Mets lost like the most talented pitcher ever possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, You mentioned the Cubs thing. And I think for, for local people here, it's like the Sixers of the last few years where in 2017, 18, when Embiid finally plays a full season and Simmons finally plays a season and there's no, people are like, oh like maybe they'll be like a frisky eight seed or something and then they go and they're the three seed and even though they get embarrassed by boston in the second round nobody expected them to be that good right away and it was it, people look back fondly and then when and then you, everything since then and then sucked. and then every everything since then even though there's been good moments when all you can do is lose in the second round of the playoffs and he, he like you got to once you set the like the high bar you got to exceed it or it's not going it's not going to be fun for people yeah which is which is again which is what's going to make the last 5 years of the harper of of all these mega contracts it it'll make it like easier to stomach if everybody's bad and they're old and they can't stay on the field or hit or play or do anything but like you won a World Series and that's what you sign up for. And again, as we were talking about, like that's that's their approach. They're going to take the bad years on the end of the thing. And it just makes it all the more imperative that they go out and they win a World Series now. And it's like it's it's never you can never really make a move that's going to like make it more likely than not that you win the World Series in one year because like you would never take. Like right now, would you take the Astros or the field? You take the field just because there's 29 other teams that theoretically have a chance. And it's like the Phillies will never be able to do that. They'll, they'll never be able to be like the favorite to win the World Series in terms of as compared to the rest of the league. But like you got to give yourself the best chance that you possibly can. And I don't see how this doesn't do that. Like they're arguably the best lineup in baseball right now when Harper comes back. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think... Also, like going along with that, 
just going after these stars and putting yourself in the best position. It's kind of just like, like this is the Dave Dombrowski way. And I know yeah. they, the off, the off season where they hired him pretty late, they ended up keeping JT real Muto. They signed him to that contract, but it makes you wonder, like wonder what the 2021 Phillies would have looked like if he had a full off season. Um, yeah. It's just everywhere he goes, he does this and it, works everywhere he goes people had questions um you know oh what what about the future and he kind of like and they've held on to some prospects and and uh are set up well and pitching wise that way but Dabrowski is just kind of like does what he does and he'll sign these guys to a long contract even if it means in eight or ten years like it might like it might look bad but well, but that, but is, that, I think this yeah. is a fun way to, it's a fun way and it's a way that works to, to go in. Like, yeah, for sure. And that also makes it easier to stomach because, like, I, I, I agree. When he was first offered the job and he first took the job, I was like, I think everybody kind of thought, like, oh, McAble's gone and all the young talent's gone and it's going to be like, they better push all the chips in to win in the next three or four years and then they're going to be terrible. But, like, and I was once of the opinion that the, 20 i don't know 27 to 2030 phillies were just going to be a dumpster fire and i don't think they're going to be as good as they are now but i don't think they're going to be in a complete disaster because of the way that they draft and they develop young talent now and they've done with the young pitching what they've done it's like it's it gives you a little more hope that the guys that they have in the farm system now plus the guys that they don't have yet but will draft slash trade for whatever sign it's like they should be able to field a somewhat competitive com- competitive team even after Schwarber, Castellanos, Wheeler, Nola, Hoskins, Real Muto, whoever's gone, which also makes having Harper and Trey Turner now there like a little bit easier to stomach because you're going to be paying these guys when the team maybe not be terrible and maybe they're still somewhat productive and they can add to that team and make it still somewhat competitive and maybe you can compete for a title then. So it's like the window which we all kind of perceived as 2021 through 2026 that's probably the window like that's probably when they have the best chance to win a world series but i don't think they're just going to fall off a cliff right then and again that makes an 11 year contract a 13 year contract a lot easier to grapple with i don't know if i'm quite all the way there on the phillies drafting and development but they do have like a handful of prospects that definitely have some promise that yeah, you're not as looking at the you're not looking into the future as scared, I guess, as as you would have thought yeah. maybe um in the past. Do you wanna do you wanna kind of I don't know, think about what this lineup might look like going into next yeah. season? I think I think like the obvious answer is like, oh yeah, Trey Turner is going to lead off. And I kind of don't think that's gonna happen. Me neither. I think it's gonna be Schwarber. Which I don't know if it's the right move, but it's funny. Their refusal to like just take him out of there is, um, I don't, I don't know. At times last year it was like mind-boggling, but then in the end it worked out for the most part. And Rob Thompson kind of just stayed the course with that. And then uh, late in the postseason, he kind of carried them out of the leadoff spot. Schwarber. So I don't, I don't think he's going to lead off. I think he probably bats second and 
I think that's the way it probably shapes out. He could lead off though, maybe. But I, I think do, I, it feels like Schwarber to me. I think there's there are two different questions here. One is the pre Harper lineup, and one is the post Harper lineup. Because, like when when Harper's in the lineup, he's hitting third, obviously. I guess he could theoretically hit he, second, he, but you don't really. He didn't. Hit, he didn't hit third in the playoffs. No, yeah, that was dumb. But whatever. He he will now. Um, and it's like, let's say before Harper comes back, so the first month, month and a half, two months of the season ish. Hopefully, not much longer. It's like, who who do you think is the Phillies' best hitter other than Trey Turner without Harper? Schwarber, right? Schwarber, right? So, like, I'm a big proponent of the best hitter in the three-hole kind of thing. So, I kind of wouldn't hate the idea of Schwarber hitting third before Harper comes back, Turner leading off, and then, like, hitting Real Muto second. Cleanup would probably go to Castellanos at that point, which, by the way, I feel comfortable oh. putting Castellanos back in the cleanup spot. That might be my what? hot take, but, like, Why? dude, he's better than – because he's good. Like, I'm sorry. He's, good. he's a good hitter. He's hitting. He's good at hitting. He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. Not not to that season was such a fluke. Not to not to you know go lean too much into Brad Pitt in Moneyball, but if he's a if he's a good hitter, why doesn't he hit good? Okay, then what's your lineup? <laughs> My lineup with Harper the, out. With Harper out, you have probably. JT hitting third. Yeah, probably he was he was okay. he was pretty good last year. Okay, so um, who hits who who hits cleanup because you have Schwarber, Turner, Real Muto, top three. Castellanos is not fourth. Hoskins is fourth. Yeah, like I guess. What 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 did you watch last year? No, that I, that inspired you to think that Nick Castellanos like is going to be good. <laughs> I just think he's going to be fine. Like I I I don't I maybe I'm maybe I'm maybe I buy too much into the like oh first year of a big contract, finding a new place to live, having a kid. He was hurt. He got hit. He had that he had that wrist thing. I just like I I just I don't think he's just all of a sudden bad at age thirty or twenty nine or whatever he is. I just don't think he sucks. And I think that if nothing more, if nothing more, give him the first month of the season, put him in the cleanup spot, be like, look, we trust you. We think you're still good, and see what he can do. And if if it's more of what we saw in twenty twenty two, yeah, you move him out of there. I'm not saying they have to do it all season, but like. When when Harper's out, I don't like real Muto hitting third is fine, but I'd rather having him hit like second and then Schwarber third because I think Schwarber's your best overall hitter other than Turner without Harper. So like, why not hit him third, lead off Turner, real Muto second, and then Castellanos, Hoskins, Bohm, whatever, stop Marsh, Veerling in the bottom of the lineup. Like, I don't know. I I just don't like. I don't think Nick Castellanos sucks. I hate that like the the Philly signed Trey Turner podcast is once again, a discussion about Nick Castellanos. Cause that's everything that we always like talk it. about, but like, I like no, it. I do too. I do too. <laughs> I just, don't, I, I don't think he sucks. And even like in independent is he, of is that, he, is he, so do you think he's just going to stop swinging at every slider? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if, if he didn't think, if he didn't stop doing it by October, like I don't think it's going to happen in April. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. So then maybe, maybe I'll, I'll give like... you my pre-Harper lineup. I'll give you right, my pre-Harper right. lineup. Trey Turner one, JT Realmuto second, Kyle Schwarber third, Nick Castellanos four, Reese Hoskins five, 
Alec Boehm, six. Bryson Stott, seven. Brandon Marsh, eight. Matt Vierling, nine. Okay. And and Cassianis is the DH? Yeah. Vierling's in right. Yeah. I think I think probably to start the year, if I like if the Phillies roster is what it is right now, I think you can do like a pretty strict like lefty righty platoon with Veerling and Hall, where Derek Hall is the DH um against righties most of the time. And um Veerling plays against lefties and he plays right field. You have to sit Cassianis in right field a lot if you do that. But I think that's like, don't you think that's probably the best way to go about it? And Marsh plays mostly every day. Yeah. Yeah. Marsh should play every day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would probably, I would probably agree. Um, The top of my lineup before Harper's back, I would, I think I would go Turner. I think I would go Turner. Turner, Hoskins, Real Muto, Schwarber, something like that. Yeah, I could see. I don't that. think it's what I don't think it's what they would do, but I think I would do that. Um, what do you, what do you what about when Harper is back in the middle of the season? You would assume he's at DH. Yeah, at least in the beginning part. I I have to say I've I've thought about about Harper three, Schwarber four. And I don't hate the idea. I don't like the lefty lefty, and I probably wouldn't do it. But like, if they end up going Schwarber cleanup, which would probably mean Turner one, Real Muto two, Harper three, Schwarber four, and then five through nine, whatever. I wouldn't hate it. I would. I would probably go. I would probably go. Schwarber, Turner, Harper, Castellanos, Real Muto, Hoskins, Bohm, Stop, Marsh, or maybe. Maybe stop Bohm Marsh to avoid the the lefty 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 from eight to one. Yeah, that, I, that would I, be think, a lot. I think I think a lot of this just hinges on the fact that I think Nick Castellanos is is good, which is maybe misplaced. But like, give him a month. <laughs> give him a month. All right. Well, we we will see in the spring. All right. Before we wrap this up, do you have anything else you want to hit, Kerner related, or otherwise off season related? I can leave this pretty open. I'll give you an open forum to talk about whatever you'd like as we wrap this up. Do you think they go after another qualifying offer guy? I saw Matt Gale wrote in the athletic that they're, they're not in on road Dawn and I'm forgetting the other two guys with qualifying offers attached because now they've already lost their second, fifth and those, those picks and a million dollars in international signing money. And I think if they signed another one, it would be third and sixth and another $1 million, which like my take on that is if, if you keep your second and fifth draft picks, like you're hoping that they combine for a quarter of the, let's say career war that Trey Turner is probably going to give you. Right. Yeah. So I don't really care about that. Like, and then the, the, the million dollars in international signing money is like probably the bigger deal because that's where you can really find some diamonds in the rough. And, you know, we've seen some studs come out of that market, but I don't know. Like, is is there a point when you say, "Let's not go all in because we've already lost a bunch of draft picks. Let's not lose anymore." Yeah, for me, I, for, probably. I maybe at some point, but I don't know if I'm quite there yet. But I can also see it for the right player. I think you just say like it doesn't matter, and I think Carlos Rodon is the type of player you would say that for. 
Yeah. I think on the other hand that he's probably going to get like absolutely paid because yeah. of just like what this starting market is crazy. It looks yeah. like with uh, the deal Verlander got and what DeGrom got for five years. So Kyle, Kyle Gibson got 10 million. Zach Eflin, the largest contract in Rays history. I mean, Kyle, Kyle Gibson, you know, two scoreless playoff outings can do a lot for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think they will sign one of those guys. I I don't I don't think it'll be a, a qualifying offer guy. Yeah. Me neither. I think maybe I, I do think that like they're going to need a starter. I think it might be a trade, but I'm not exactly sure. I don't really have a, a name in mind. But yeah, they definitely still have work to do. Um sorry, go ahead. Are, are they set on position players? Because I was trying to think, like, the backup infielders, you're probably fine with Sosa and Maton slash yeah. Hall at first, although I don't know if they're ever going to put him there. And then outfield, like, you have, you know, Harper when he's – well, I don't know if that counts, but, like, Castellano, Schwarber, Marsh, Veerling is there. Maybe you want a fifth outfielder. So, yeah, I think they Unless need they to go want, after like, an Dom outfielder. Guthrie or something. Yeah, probably. I think they need to go after an outfielder. Um Think of like the Matt Joyce signing if he was good, like somebody like that. Like if the Matt Joyce signing worked, or or like if Brad Miller could still hit and play right field instead of like left, something like that, where it's a guy like early in the season when they have Harper out, like it's like, all right, this guy can like, you know, he can play some right field for us like a couple times a week, but then more ideally, he's probably a bench bat and. When, when you're at full strength, he's not starting. I, th- I think that's something that they should pursue and probably will. Yeah. Yeah. Seems I fair. Mean, I didn't mean to disrespect Matt Joyce. Just like something in... Well, you kind of did. I mean, you, you said if Matt Joyce was good, therefore he, implying that he's not. No, he had Which, a, he had a know, good career. He was, not, he, he, was, he was not good with the Phillies. He was done by that point. Yeah. I think it's when it comes to adding an outfielder, especially like if it's the caliber of a a good Matt Joyce or like a fifth outfielder <laughs> type, um, like the, the position player market, maybe this is an overgeneralization, but like the position player market doesn't seem that nuts right now. Like Turner just got 27.3 a year, which probably pushes down the price for all the other shortstops. Josh Bell just signed for two years, $33 million, which... Like I could have seen him making 20 a year in, you know, with the way that contract prices have been skyrocketing the last few years and two years isn't that much for him. Uh, Jose Abreu's deal. I forget what it was, but I remember it was reasonable, right? He got, he got less, he got less than Carlos Santana did with the Phillies. Yeah. And then meanwhile, you look at the pitching side of things, Justin Verlander's making $43 million a year. Uh, The Grom is making something in 37 i i, I want to say it what was it 185 for five years which is yeah 37 million dollars a year so it, like it seems like i don't know m- maybe you can't just like put the position player market into as broad of a category as you can for the pitching market but mm-hmm. it at least seems like if they wanted to get something low end there like they'd be able to find a decent deal i don't know yeah Car- but, th- Carlos- but they also if, okay. if if they don't sign a top end starting pitcher, they have like seventy million dollars or no, 
like forty million dollars to go until the second luxury tax or yeah, something. Yeah, it's like, like that. thirty so, something. Yeah, which is a lot if you don't sign Carlos Rodon. So after Jose Abreu signed with the the Astros and it came out that the deal was like three years, fifty nine point something million, and Carlos Santana got. Is that what it was? I think so. He got like he got like fifty thousand dollars less than what Carlos Santana got for the Phillies, and then I came up with some stupid joke in my head like Carlos Santana taking former MVP Jose Abreu out to dinner, and he's paying. Um, and then he then he got then he signed with the Pirates. Also, the Pirates. How about the Pirates picking yeah. up picking up Vince Velasquez today, three and a half million dollars. Big, big signing. They're really going all in. Love to see it. The last thing I wanted to touch on before we can get out of here, we around Thanksgiving, Phillies Nation, we did a predictions article, and someone in this article predicted that the Phillies would give out the second three hundred million dollar contract in team history. Um, that person was me, and I'd like to congratulate myself on on nailing it. Not going to lie, I thought there was more like a 15 percent chance that it was happening but we were going bold and i'm i'm glad that that was the one that i thought was bold enough while still having a a good enough chance of happening i really did not think that they would end up going i thought it would be like an eight-year deal for him but they they must have read the article was it that bold they were gonna sign a shortstop they're they were gonna sign three but 300 million like nobody was predicting that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Come on. Come on. Give me some okay. credit. All right. <laughs> can I can I add one last note in? I have more of a sure. question. Is it is it fair to say that the Phillies have the best catcher, shortstop, and right fielder in baseball? And the one that's most up for debate there is the Phillies' best hitter, Bryce Harper, in right field. Explain that again. Okay. Uh, okay. So, is is it fair to say that the Phillies are the best catcher, right fielder, and shortstop in the sport? The catcher, probably pretty obviously, JT Realmuto is the best catcher in baseball, right? Yeah. The best shortstop in baseball, I think it's Trey Turner. Um, I think that's not to be like, like a debatable. prisoner of the. Yeah, it's probably more debatable, not to be a prisoner of the moment, but like, like who else is up there? Like Correa would be up there. It's Lindor. probably one of them. Lindor. Lindor. I don't it's know. Like, it's like another six-win season for him. I think I think you could make a pretty good case for Turner. Sure. And then Harper, if if you call him a right field, like the only way that's the only thing that's in the way of of Harper being the best right fielder in baseball is, is that, that he's going to go a full year without playing right field, and that Aaron Judge like might be a right fielder too. He played more yeah. center. No, but, like, no, you got to go. I think you have to go Judge. If if. Yeah, if Judge is a right fielder, then you you have to say Judge right now. But yeah, like if you can call Harper a right fielder and not a DH, and Judge a center fielder and not a right fielder, I think Harper's got to be the best right fielder in baseball. He, yeah, saying. he's probably he's probably the best right fielder. Uh, Betts is still. It looks like he might play second. I don't know. Mookie Betts playing second is is awesome. By the way, that is awesome. They need to. To make sure that happens, it's it's always cool when he plays second. Yeah. All right. I think I think we've covered it all. I think I think we 
gave all of our our thoughts. We had a nice little debate about Nick Cassianos, as always. <laughs> um, well, it wouldn't be even 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 with like a like a month or so off, we haven't lost a beat in terms of that. No, in terms of talking about him. All right, so I, <laughs> that'll do it for this episode. We'll be back with more as the Phillies make more moves and this offseason keeps going. Everyone, enjoy the winter meetings and all the news that comes out of it. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time.